we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. Walker Wildman is out for the day. Rick Green back with you. Thanks for the opportunity to fill in for Walker. You can find out more about me at my website, patriotacademy.com. That's our organization that helps to equip citizens to live out a biblical worldview in our society and actually apply the Bible to the things not only in our family and at our church and in our in our work, but also in how we vote, how we uh, govern, how we form our societies, what are the laws of that society, all of those things. PatriotAcademy.com is our website. I'm known as America's Constitution Coach because I love getting people together and studying the Constitution. We've had hundreds of thousands of people go through our Constitution classes, 50,000 just this year, and that is an encouraging thing. I hope it encourages you to know that your fellow citizens are getting equipped to live out a biblical worldview in their culture and in their society. So check that out at PatriotAcademy.com. And I'm uh, going to talk a little bit today, you know, I really want to compare liberty and safety and, and, and sort of talk about the tension between them and why it is always a struggle, especially if you live in a free society. I mean, it, it, it's actually pretty simple if you're a dictator, right? I mean, it's much easier to keep everybody in your country safe if you have a dictatorship. Everybody's got to do exactly what you say, but there's no liberty. Obviously, that's not the direction we want to go. So if you're a dictator or you're a communist regime, uh, you can lean towards safety because there is no liberty, right? The more liberty you have, the more risky things are going to be. I think that's a good thing. I, I'm actually all for that. I would much rather have liberty and risk than have tyranny and all kinds of safety. I'd, I'd much rather live in freedom and, and deal with the dangers of life, the reality of life, than live in slavery and have no surprises whatsoever and not have to deal with any of those things. And so we're dealing with this question right now uh, with all of the COVID crackdowns, with the president's announcement yesterday, we're definitely going to, do, to be debating liberty and safety and where is the balance between those two and at what point does government overreach supposedly to be providing safety. But I would argue that throughout history, that's been the argument of tyrants to take over nations and subject people to tyranny. They always argued that they're doing it for your own safety and for your own good. But we're definitely going to be dealing with that uh, question when it comes to the COVID crackdowns. But it's actually a good timing because also tomorrow, the 20th uh, anniversary of 9-11, and, and there are some who have forgotten. There are a lot who were born after what happened on September 11th, uh, 2001. And I, um, I, for one, think we should be reminding every generation about that and making sure that they understand uh, that, that we still face a threat well, we still deal with radical Islamic terrorism around the planet, and there are still those who would like to destroy our nation. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that liberty and safety tension as well, and kind of the difference in some of the things in our culture today because of what happened after 9-11. So we'll be walking through some of that as well, and, and so kind of try to cover both of these topics at once in the context of a conversation about comparing liberty to safety. So I want to I actually, first of all, step back and look at this just in terms of concepts and in terms of the proper role of a nation 
uh, and and how as an in individual you deal with this sort of thing as well. And I'm actually going to take you all the way back to the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. The, the definition of liberty back then, natural liberty, uh, was that, you know, if you were in natural liberty, there was no restraint on you. The, the, no, no, you didn't have to um, you know, follow any laws. You, did, you could do whatever you wanted. And the only thing that could restrain you was nature itself. So think about it this way. If you were stranded on an island and you were not in a society, you, you would be free to do anything you wanted within the restraints of nature. So if God placed a massive bear on that island with you, and on one side of that island, that bear <laughs> was governing that side of the island and could do whatever it wanted, you probably wouldn't venture into that side of the island. So you'd be restrained from that side of the island, perhaps, unless you figured out a way to hunt that bear with whatever you could find with your bare hands, uh, sticks, rocks, whatever. Uh, at any rate, that's your only limit in, in, a, in a state of true natural liberty. But when you choose to live around other people and live in society, Webster called that civil liberty. And he said it's civil liberty is liberty of man in a state of society, or you could say it's natural liberty, but abridged and restrained as is necessary and expedient for the safety and the interest of society or the state or the nation. He said a restraint of natural liberty that is not necessary or expedient for the public is tyranny or oppression. So if you, if you put that in context of today and, and, and you fast forward to that, here's, here's what that's really talking about. You have liberty to make your own decisions. If you, if you live in a free nation, to govern your family, to, to decide um, how to raise your children, to decide uh, the medical decisions of your family. I mean, frankly, uh, right now, the big debate is over the, the COVID vaccine, but I've been debating the vaccine issue for 25 years. When I was a legislator in Texas, I mean, I was uh, pretty upset that, that, that parents did not have the freedom to choose which vaccines to use or not use. There are many vaccines that your child would not be at risk of the, the particular disease that that vaccine is intended to prevent. So you can, you can put it off instead of, you know, pumping the kid full of you know, 36 different doses in, in 25 months or whatever it is. I don't remember all the numbers now. That was 20 years ago. I was debating this in the legislature. I mean, they even created a vaccine called rotavirus that's literally for diarrhea. It just, it just became a big pharma making money. I, and I'm a vaccine fan in terms of the old vaccines for polio and all of those things, the eradication of many diseases. It's been a, it's been a fantastic, wonderful um, invention and, and discovery of how God designed the body and how to help the body create antibodies. All, all of that is true, but it got out of hand. And so what I did when I got in the legislature, uh, I found out that you, you could only exempt your kid from a vaccine if you had a religious or, <coughs> excuse me, if you had a religious or a medical exemption. There was no conscientious exemption. And, and, and the way the law was written, it had to be in the tenets of your faith. It had to literally be listed in the tenets of your faith. So that back then, that was basically uh, Christian scientists and Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Je Jehovah's Witness. So if you were Baptist or Catholic or uh, most of the either Catholic or, or Protestant denominations, it's not in the tenets of your faith. So, so if you filed for a religious exemption, you'd have to lie and say, it is in the tenets of my faith. So anyway, we worked really hard and we finally got that conscientious exemption into Texas law so that parents could decide, yeah, I want to do this one. I'm definitely going to do tetanus because we live out on the ranch and all of those things. I'm not going to do this one. That's the parent's decision. Do the research. Make the decision for yourself. That's liberty. All right. That's responsibility comes with that. And you live with the consequences of your decision. The problem with government saying you will do this whether or not you want to and regardless of how 
uh, your particular body reacts or any of those things. You're going to do it just because it's easier for us to mandate it on everyone like Joe Biden has done yesterday. When that happens, now you take away the responsibility. No one's responsible. Government's not going to compensate you if you're injured from that vaccine. They've given the, the, the vaccine manufacturers complete immunity. And so instead of you making the decision, knowing your family is going to live with the consequence, someone who doesn't have to live with the consequence of, of adverse reactions and uh, problems that happen from it and all those things, regardless of what the what some people say might be a super low risk, you can weigh that against your risk of the of the virus itself or you know disease if we're talking about other other vaccines. So with liberty comes the responsibility and comes with living with those consequences. When you end up in slavery, when you end up in tyranny and government's making the decision for you, then they have technically the responsibility, but there's no accountability. They, they don't care if you pay a heavy price for that. So that's that's a big, big difference. But let's move away from COVID for a second. I'll, I'll definitely come back to that because I think the president's order yesterday affecting nearly 100 million people in America is absolutely unconstitutional, absolutely unscientific. It's actually evil because it's going to cause a lot of people to be harmed because the natural immunity is better than the vaccine. And if you've got the natural immunity, you've got a 4.4 times greater risk, according to the studies, of having an adverse reaction if you get the COVID vaccine after you've had COVID. So it completely ignores natural immunity. It completely ignores all the people out there that have certain medical conditions where they shouldn't get it. Um, and the people that want to get it can get it. There's no one in America that want, that is told they cannot get the vaccine if they want the vaccine. It's available everywhere for free. So Joe Biden has decided, though, that's not enough. And he's lying to the American people, blaming the unvaccinated for the hospitalizations, when in fact, most hospitals, it's 50-50, some in Massachusetts, it was 70 percent. And in, in Israel, it's 85 percent are vaccinated that are in the hospital for COVID. And the studies are already showing that if you've got the, the vaccine, um, then then you've got one thirteenth the immunity of someone that's had the had the virus. So your natural immunity, if you've had the virus, is 13 times better. Joe Biden ignores all of that, doesn't talk about natural immunity at all. So it's very unconstitutional, very unscientific. However, I want, I, want to, I want to switch gears a little bit and, and talk a little bit about liberty and safety in the context of actual physical attack, whether that's an individual attack in your community, whether that is a national, uh, you know, going to war or a terrorist attack or whatever it might be. And if you get in the time machine and you go back to the founding fathers, the founders relied on personal responsibility and self-defense more than they did on government protecting you and, and defending you. They believed that government's job was to protect you from a foreign invasion, but it was your job to protect you and your family from someone else in the community or from someone breaking into your home. In fact, let me just read you one of the quotes from James Wilson. If you're not familiar with James Wilson, he was a critical founding father, signed both the Declaration and the Constitution. He served on the Supreme Court. In fact, he's the first name George Washington submitted to serve on the Supreme Court. So, I mean, here's a, here's a guy that definitely understands our Constitution, helped to give it to us, um, and then and then and served on the Supreme Court in those in those uh, first few years when the Constitution was in place. Here's what he said. The great natural law of self-preservation cannot be repealed or superseded or suspended by any human institution. The right of the citizens to bear arms in the defense of themselves shall not be questioned. Every man's house is deemed by the law to be his castle and the law invests him with the power and places on him the duty of the commanding officer of his house. If anyone be robbed in it, it shall be esteemed his own default and negligence. Now think about what he's saying right there. He's saying if your house gets broken into, it's not the police's fault. It's your fault because you didn't defend it. 
So it's not we can't expect there to be a police officer on every street corner. We, that would be a police state. And that's actually what happens when you move towards tyranny because you want the safety that government you hope can provide. It absolutely leans towards and tends towards tyranny. The founders said, if you want liberty and freedom like we've set up under our founding documents, then you have to also accept the responsibility to learn how to defend your household, learn how to defend yourself and your family. That's the idea of ha having actual freedom and safety both, but it takes responsibility. That's why you have to get trained. You have to understand those things. You have to you know, have have a, a, a what we call condition yellow, constantly have some awareness, constantly, you know, looking out for your family doesn't mean you're paranoid, but you're you're practical. You you realize that, you know, that the wolf can be at the door at any moment. And that's just that's just being smart, man. I mean, Proverbs talks about not being a fool and walking into danger and having to live with the consequence, but instead being a wise person and actually knowing that there's danger and taking precautions for it. So that's that's how you can have both liberty and safety. You have to take on the responsibility. Now, that's individual. That's for you and your family and your home. It's a little different when you're looking at the nation itself. The nation has a job to defend its people from foreign attack. And before 9-11, we didn't do a very good job of that for quite some time. Radical Islamic terrorists attacked us, the 93 World Trade Center bombing. It killed six and injured more than 1,000. 96, Kobar Towers. 98, it was the U.S. embassies in East Africa. In 2000, it was the attack on the USS Cole. They were at war with us, and we were not willing to admit that it was taking place. We had forgotten about that 34-year war against radical Islamic terrorism way back in the founding of the country, where we actually took the fight to them and ended up with about a 150-year peace dividend. But in 2001, after the 9-11 attacks, all of that changed. We're going to talk about that and how that has actually led now to a restriction of liberty in some ways in our country and what we can do to get back to a better balance between liberty and safety. That's our job as citizens. We got to know this stuff so that we can demand it of our elected officials, or maybe you're listening and you're going to be an elected official. Maybe you need to run for office. We might even get into some of that today. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green. Go to patriotacademy.com to learn more. whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Esther, a young girl, became queen of the Persian Empire when Israel was subject to Persian rule. A wicked man named Haman tried to get the king to exterminate all Jews. Esther, a Jew herself, was queen when this genocidal conspiracy was brought to bear. But her cousin Mordecai put her royal position in perspective. Perhaps God made you queen for this very moment to intervene on behalf of the Jewish people. Like Esther, perhaps God gave you the platform, position, and influence you have for this very moment to stand against darkness. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. The mean girl is an age-old trope. TV and movies perpetuate the stereotype of the female bully. Have you ever noticed how women have been quick to put other women down? Why? Just as any other form of bullying, being a mean girl is typically deep-seated in insecurity, shame, and fear. Bullying puts up a wall around her heart, but there is something that can break it down, namely someone. God's love is the giant bucket of ice water that can put out the fire of a mean girl. The Psalms tells us, He heals the brokenhearted. When a bully recognizes that she is accepted and loved as she is, without need for scare tactics or coercion, she can end the charade and walk in love. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green filling in for Walker Wildman. I'm America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. You can find out more at PatriotAcademy.com. And if you'd like to dial in today with questions or comments, please do. It's 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. 8840. We're talking about liberty and safety, the tension between the two, how a nation that wants to be free, that says we're a free nation, can still have a have fulfill the proper role of government to protect us from foreign invasion. But then how do we leave that responsibility to individual citizens to take care of their own safety and self-defense? Because every time you have government stepped in step into your individual life and try to micromanage that, it always leads to tyranny. We see it happen happening right now with the COVID crackdowns. Uh, but I want to come back to 9-11 first before we get back to, to COVID too much. You know, this is, um, you know, this is one of those times for me, it was very pivotal, uh, you know, helped to form a lot of my thinking about the proper role of government and when government should step in and when the threat is, is uh, clear and present and, and requires government interaction. Because there's no question that in war, liberty necessarily restricts. It's, it's sometimes in small ways, sometimes it's in big ways. It depends on the severity and the proximity of the actual fighting and where that's taking place. Uh, even our Constitution very clearly says this. The language in the Third and the Fifth Amendments reflect this very clearly. We know this to be the case. And, and most Americans, you know, we, we, we tend to agree. We know that power corrupts, and so we have a healthy distrust of government. 
So when there's a clear and present danger, we want government to have the tools to defend our nation. We just want to make sure those tools are not then used against our citizens and not not used to create any any type of, of tyranny. And a lot of people feel like that has happened since 9-11, that there's been mission creep, that we accomplished the task afterwards and then kept a lot of the you know different NSA tools and all of those things. And frankly, I was a big supporter of making sure that we could spy on suspected terrorists in foreign nations, that if they were calling into, into the America and talking to someone, we actually absolutely had probable cause to um, get that conversation and find out what was happening. And I think our intelligence communities and our military did an absolutely amazing job after 9-11. You notice, um, I mean, we don't talk about it much, but there were so many attacks that were didn't happen because of what we were able to do. But that debate has definitely heated up. We want them to have the tools to stop the attacks, but we want the least amount of infringement on liberty as possible. And, and the thing that I think is now beginning to be missed is the balances, the checks and balances on those tools. And so I think that's where a lot more of the discussion is going to go in the near future, because we've seen some of those things be turned on the American people. We see now this, this government collusion with big tech to silence you if you have a differing opinion from the national narrative. They call it misinformation just because it's a different opinion. Uh, they're changing the language. If you're an Orwell fan and you've ever read 1984, where the Ministry of Truth is hard at work renaming things and, and changing all of those things. And so I would love to see us make sure that, yes, absolutely, we spy on terrorists, but we stop allowing that to become all of us. I think after the January 6th incident at the Capitol, they used that as their Reichstag fire uh, to try to make all patriots out to be terrorists instead of zeroing in on the people that were violent that day, most all of which were not Trump people. Uh, they were, in fact, you know, radical, uh, you know, some on the left, some of them were radical libertarians, uh, but they were anti-Trump and they were just there to cause trouble. Anyway, we, we, we've, we've allowed the focus to go in the wrong directions because we have people in office that, that have no moral compass, which that's a whole other topic. I don't want to run down too many uh, different trails here, but when you remove God from the equation and you remove moral absolutes and it becomes moral relativism and win at all cost, then you get people in office like what we've got right now controlling the federal government, and they will take those tools and turn them on the American people so that they can stay in power. And they don't care what the truth is. They're coming after you if you disagree with them. That is a fascist mindset, and that's what fascism is. Benito Mussolini defined it for us. He said it's everything has to be in the state and nothing outside the state, uh, nothing against the state. And so that's why they, they try to clamp down and stop anyone from speaking in any way against what they are doing. Uh, so even now, if you criticize government policy, you are labeled anti-American. Even back during 9-11, right after 9-11, you know, you could criticize George Bush. You could criticize, uh, you know, the, the decisions that were being made. Um, and, and, and you were not threatened with the arrest. You were not threatened with being kicked off of, of, of whatever platform you had. Um, we've moved into a very, very ugly place. And so that's going to require our involvement. It's going to require finding that balance once again, making sure those checks and balances are there. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, it, it, I'm probably more, that's probably more on my mind right now because of the COVID crackdowns than anything else. And maybe I'm doing a disservice to, to the day because tomorrow is again, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm blessed to have a really good friend named Brian Birdwell. He's, he was the closest survivor to the point of impact at the Pentagon and the entire body was covered in, in jet fuel and burned. I mean, he should not have survived. God, preserved him. Um, I think actually for, for even right now, he's, he's now a state senator in Texas and, and a champion of liberty in the Constitution and just a, a phenomenal guy. 
but but after after 9-11, it took four years of surgery uh, just to just to get his his body put back together and um, just a, an amazing journey for him. But but we got to be friends and, and he would come speak for wall builders at our legislators conferences and our our pastors conferences in D.C. And and Brian always said he's, he made it very clear. He said, look, you got a choice when you have an enemy that continues to attack you like the radical Islamic terrorists have. And, you know, we did nothing after, you know, the 93 World Trade Center, the Cobar Towers, U.S. embassies, as I mentioned before the break. And and we had to decide, are we going to just keep swatting at mosquitoes or are we going to go drain the swamp? That was the, the tactical, the strategic and ta- the strategic decision that had to be made. And then the, and then the tactics that had to be used to actually do that. Uh, our men and women in uniform did an amazing job. And there are a lot of people right now at, with the disaster of pulling out of Afghanistan. Uh, and I, for one, think we should have kept a presence in Afghanistan. I don't think there was any strategic advantage. We only had, you know, 2,500 troops still there. Hadn't had one killed uh, since uh, February of 2020. We had a billion dollars in that Bagram Air Force Base to just hand all of that over and step out and, and knowing that the Taliban eventually, you know, even if you believe Biden, they knew eventually that was going to happen. Uh, but we should have known it was going to happen as, as quickly as it did. Um, and and, and, and to, to do that and now give them a staging ground for, you know, returning to exactly what we were dealing with 20 years ago and then to keep our border open where they can train as terrorists over there and then just walk across our borders is insanity. It's absolute insanity. You you talk about being anti-American or hating America. You have to want America to fail. To, to, for that to be your policy, to make those kind of decisions, you are either mentally incompetent, which I believe this president is, and I think his, anybody that watches him give a speech knows that, um, or you really do hate the country. And I think a lot of the people behind him calling the shots are radical leftists that do hate America and are doing things to undermine where we're at. And so I think one of the most important things we can do tomorrow on the 20th anniversary, first of all, make sure you tell your kids the story of what happened. I think, I I, I sincerely believe after 10 years old, they should watch the towers be hit with those planes. They should watch the towers collapse and they should understand this is why it's important to have a strong national defense. This is why it's important to have people in office that understand how to defeat evil that understand how to go around the world and defeat it on their turf instead of waiting until they bring the battle to our country. Those are important things for us to understand as citizens and to um, include in our decision-making about who we elect. All right, I'll get off my tangents on this. Uh, Now I'm kind of starting to get up on my soapbox, but I just think it's really important on the 20th anniversary to remember what our men and women have been fighting to preserve. Maybe we need to play the Daryl Worley song, Have You Forgotten?, I might just read the words of that song before our hour is up. But the phones are lighting up, so I want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And we're going to start off with Scott in Kentucky. Scott, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling in. What's your comment or question? Hey, Scott, you still out there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, brother. Thanks for calling in, man. What's on your mind? Well, I was wondering, as a veteran, with the oath that I took, I was 17 years old. I really didn't know what the oath that I was taking. I didn't understand it, but I understand it now. And what I'm wondering as a veteran is how long should I sit back and watch the fascists destroy the Constitution? 
Yeah, man, I, I would I would argue um, don't sit back at all, uh, Scott. Now now is the time. I mean, the the, the way that we fight right now is is um, you know with ballots, not bullets, is with uh, with education and and hosting Constitution classes and biblical citizenship classes in our church and getting other people educated so that they know they understand what what the proper jurisdiction of government is and when they've crossed the line and at what point do you push back and at what point do you say enough is enough. Um, so I, I think you don't sit back at all, but the step right now is education and, uh, and, and being, you know, uh, being active and using the tools that the constitution gives us to turn this thing around. We are blessed in our country to have an option to, to reform and, and, and literally, you know, completely redo our government without having to fire a shot. We, we have everything we need to do that. There are millions of Americans that feel exactly like you do. But unlike you, they haven't been willing to actually step into action and do something. And I think that's changing in, in literally in, in the number of millions er, all over the country in every single state um, in droves. I mean, there, there are people getting involved that have never been involved before. So don't sit back, Scott. Now's the time to be engaged. But it's, a, it's you know, different than how you served us in the military. Uh, it may come to that at some point in some you know, in future. I'm not naive enough to think that, that America is is somehow protected from civil war happening again or, or, you know, completely disintegrating into 50 different countries. Or I mean, those are all that's how history works. Those things happen. And we and, and we can't kid ourselves and not think that it couldn't come to that. In fact, I think it will come to that if we don't get involved right now and take back our institutions and 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 be engaged in this process to where even if they cheat, which they're always going to cheat in the elections, we win by so much that they can't steal it. You still with me? With them stealing the elections, I feel like I feel like they almost have us handcuffed at this point. I mean, I'm waiting on the Arizona audit to come out. I just keep waiting and waiting and waiting, and it just seems like it almost seems like we're to the point where something's going to have to take place to take this country back. Well, and I and I would, you know, Scott, for me, I always try to step back and look at it in the context of a couple of hundred years. And and when has this type of thing happened before? And stealing elections is nothing new. Uh, they 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 did it in multiple times in the late 1800s. We had massive fraud in presidential elections that some states turned in 105 percent, you know, voter turnout, meaning obviously people were voting that that uh, were dead or, or, or didn't exist at all. And and so that it's it's nothing new that that unethical people are going to cheat to get power. They're always going to do that. And we got outmaneuvered. We, we let them absolutely get away with cheating, with, with unconstitutional changes in the election law. I mean, there were so many things that happened last year that, you know, we were, it, we, we were just childish. I mean, the Republican Party was, 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 was a, a feckless, you know, defender of, of our liberty. And, and those weak Republican leaders in those key six states that did not do what they had the constitutional authority to do in, in, uh, in, in declaring their elections, you know, uh, void and, and, and naming the electors themselves. That absolutely they had the power to do it. The Supreme Court has recognized that power and they refused to do it because they were so worried about what CNN might say. And now look at the consequences and the cost. But the good news is people realize now, I think, the consequences and the cost. And a lot of those wimpy Republican leaders are now the ones calling for audits and now the ones stepping up and, and, and doing some of the things they should have done 10 months ago, no doubt. But to your point, my argument would be that we are seeing the things that need to happen. 
the laws are getting passed to tighten up the election law in, in Texas and Georgia and other, other states. Wisconsin is now calling uh, for a for forensic audit. And, and so I think there's positive. I don't think I know there's positive movement. Is it enough to save the country? I don't know yet. You know, 2022 is going to tell us a lot. They're going to try to steal those elections again. They're going to try to hold on to Congress. It's only a five seat difference. They're going to try to, you know, keep the Senate either at 50 50 or even pick up a couple of seats. We have the nation with us right now and we should, um, you know, win big in 2022. But I'm not naive enough to think that Republicans winning big in 2022 saves everything either, because if the wrong Republicans get elected and go to Washington, D.C., they're going to be just like some of these Republican governors like Greg Abbott that have been absolute tyrants and acted like Democrats and didn't care about the Constitution or your freedom and decided they, they the power went to their head. So I hope that makes sense, man. I, I agree with you and I share your frustration, but I do think there are peaceful steps that can still save the country. But it's it's going to take really hard work on our part and it's going to take years. And we don't know yet if we have that long. Well, I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you very much, and God bless. Hey, thank you, Scott. Stay in the fight, man. We got Rebecca from Texas. Rebecca, I got about two minutes before the break, so let's see if we can squeeze it in, or we'll just carry over after the break. Go ahead. Okay, I was just wanting y'all to know, and you to let everybody know, there's a simple solution to not catching COVID or the flu or anything like that, and it's xylitol X. Y-L-I-C-O-L, sweetened, gum, toothpaste, mouthwash. Right now, there's a lot of toothpaste out there sweetened with it, but there is also uh, like gum is extra, and the Spry toothpaste and Spry mouthwash, it's S-P-R-Y, is the only set that actually can cure or keep you from catching colds and flus and stuff. I've been using it for yeah. six years as a school bus driver. I have not caught a cold. I haven't had sinus, nothing. And I drive a school bus. I used to get you, to So you're cold. around it all the time. Oh, all the time. Well, yeah. And and I'm sorry to cut you off, but we're about to go to break. So I'll just say this. Look, I, mean, I think that's actually where a lot of the treatments are headed. They're, they're, they're developing nasal sprays. Um, they, they, we know that it's the mucosal uh, immunity that is the strongest that prevents uh, COVID. And that's why the natural immunity works so much better because it provides mucosal immunity in the nasal passages and the vaccine does not do that. And so what you're talking about um, is exactly the direction we need to be headed. There's so many treatments out there that work, but we have to tell people about them. We have to speak truth about this stuff and stop hiding the treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and all these other things because people want to protect the vaccine. We've got to allow the market to answer here and let people make their own decisions. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green filling in for Waka Robin. Hurricane Ida is one of the strongest hurricanes to hit Louisiana to date. Thousands are in need of hope and help so 8 Days of Hope is headed to Louisiana to help them begin rebuilding their lives. If you're local to the area or if you can travel, you're very welcome to join. But if you can't do that, you're still able to help through your prayers and donations. To sign up as a volunteer or to donate, go to 8daysofhope.com. 8daysofhope.com. The Gospel. What I heard on the radio, you guys have changed my life. 
vital information. My kids and I are so thankful for you, and we love your news and everything that y'all give out. God is using American Family Radio to transform American culture. We'd love to hear your story. Call 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. You might hear yourself on the air during our share October 12th, 13th, and 14th. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy, where a man has many wives, and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to bible believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and Friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D 800-YES-WORD or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org It gives an impetus to share your faith when you think you've got answers to objections that you expect people to bring up. The American Family Studios video series, Intro to God's Revelation, featuring Dr. Richard Howe, shows how God has revealed Himself in nature and His Word, and how we can rightly understand what God has said. These truths are just a part and parcel of the Christian life. It isn't just for the professional clergy. Learn the fundamentals of how to approach and understand the Bible in an age of skepticism. This six-week video curriculum is perfect for your Sunday school class or study group and it can prepare you to give a defense of God's Word and how He speaks to us in nature. Knowing whether and how God communicates is a safeguard against false claims about God communicating. Intro to God's Revelation, DVDs and workbook are available for purchase at afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Walker Wobbins out today. I'm Rick Green filling in for him. I'm a former Texas legislator and America's Constitution coach. And you can join us in coaching the Constitution in your community by going to PatriotAcademy.com. You can be the catalyst for a restoration of biblical values and constitutional principles. We'll train you how to do it. It's totally free. Our classes are free. Our coach training's free. We want to get you engaged in the process and becoming a part of the solution and being salt and light in your community. So check that out at patriotacademy.com. We're going to go back to the phones in just a second. You can call in with your comments and questions to 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. 8840. Before I go to the next call, I just want to read something to you real quick. A fantastic email from my buddy Matt Staver over at Liberty Council. They do an amazing job. They've been defending religious liberty for years. I encourage you to visit their website, lc.org. lc.org stands for Liberty Council, lc.org. And here's why. Listen, now they have taken on the COVID crackdowns and they've been helping people get the exemptions that don't want to get the jab. They've been helping people all over the country. And and up until I just read this email a few minutes ago, I thought we were striking out completely in the military. I knew that each branch has an application process for religious and medical exemption, but 
from what we were hearing, the Pentagon, because of Biden, was was just demanding it. They weren't accepting any of those. Listen to this. I'm just going to read you a couple of paragraphs here. We're now working with over, by the way, Liberty Council is working with over 20,000 requests for help. Matt said the volume of requests for help is overwhelming. This is a public email, by the way, so I'm not sharing anything that's private. Uh, the military is the latest target. An active duty soldier was told to, quote, get the jabs today or get ready for general discharge. He only had a few weeks left in the Army. We provided our research that shows there is no FDA-approved COVID shot available in the U.S., so military families formed a group to push back. After providing our research to the families, a soldier presented the legal argument to the commanding general, and this soldier provided the same information to the military institution's vaccine clinic, and he was able to sway over 100 soldiers to not receive the shot. The news gets better. The command changed their tune. Service members at the installation were then informed by their command that there were no FDA-approved shots on site, and all soldiers Listen to this. It actually sounds like freedom. All soldiers had a choice to take it or not. And if they chose not to take the shot, there would be no legal ramifications, no counseling statements, and they couldn't be forced to take the vaccine. Over 2,500 soldiers were able to walk away today without the vaccine. Now, listen, I get it. You're in the military. You belong to the government at that point. Your body is the military's. And I get it. They get tons of vaccines. And some of the countries they go into, they need those tons of vaccines. Uh, but this one is an experimental one, and it should be a choice. The law says it should be a choice. It's in the law. You should be informed of the risks and the benefits and absolutely not have it coerced and never have it forced upon you. But this tyrannical administration is ignoring the law. So I just wanted to share that good news with you to let you know there's victories happening out there. And thank you to Matt Staver and Liberty Council for being a big part of that. And please visit their website. Get on their email list, lc.org. Matt doesn't even know I'm sharing this today, but I wanted you to know that there's some good news. And I, I this is one of the groups I contribute to every year. Karen, I love these these organizations and we really appreciate, appreciate what they do because they represent people for free. So God bless you, Matt. Great victory. Okay, let's get back to the phones. I believe Chris is up next. Chris, how you doing, man? Thanks for calling in. What's your question or comment? Uh, I want to talk about the COVID vaccine and what I yes, might sir. be facing in the future. Yeah, man, go ahead. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a correctional officer. I've been dealing with COVID since it's first come out. And I'll be honest, I haven't been that responsible for always washing my hands. Uh, personally, I, I believe that uh, just my ancestors passed me something down that kind of helped me fight it all. But here's uh, my question. I really don't want to take this COVID vaccine. And it's not so much the health issues. It's a principle I don't think it's the mark of the beast, but I think it's the infrastructure that you will see the mark of the beast. Just the other day, I was watching something. A lady was beat by cops in Paris because she didn't have her passport when she went shopping. Another country put out a statement, you won't be allowed to shop if you don't have a passport. I have made a principle that I will not take this vaccine just because I feel it's part of the infrastructure. What am I possibly looking at as far as retaliation in my future? Yeah, I, I saw that video. Uh, I believe that was, I'm trying to remember now if that was England or Australia. Um, I can't remember. I, I've seen so many horrible videos of the tyranny. I saw one where a lady was literally held down and the mask forced on her. That was that was months ago. I believe that one was Australia. Uh, it, we've lost our ever-loving minds. I mean, it, it is unbelievable what's happening. Let's not forget, everybody, this is a virus that 99, right now they're all saying 99.7 or 0.8% 
survive no problem. I believe in the future when the truth is finally told, it's going to be 99.9% because I think they've exaggerated the uh, the death number. They, they and, and it's not that it's not real. My dad nearly died from it. My wife and I had a bad case of it. We've had friends die from it. We know this thing is real. But as a percentage of deaths and a percentage of the you know uh, people out there, it is it is minuscule. It's kids have a more likely chance of of dying from drowning than they do from dying from COVID. Masking kids in schools is insane. So anyway, I just have to say all that to say I get the fact that it's a deadly virus, but very deadly for very very few people, small percentage of people. We've forgotten that people die every day. We've acted like government can somehow save us. We are worshiping the twin golden calves of government and pseudoscience. We're not even following the actual science. It's insane. And the vaccine fits into that. Um, it's not that vaccines are bad. It's that this one is, in fact, an experimental vaccine. It's not even really a vaccine. It's a DNA modifier and all those things. But it's just people should be given a choice. And it's working for some people. And that's great. Good for them. But I absolutely think, Chris, you should be able to choose yay or nay. Now, I will say, you're, I don't know what state you're in or any of that, and, and you don't need to share any of that, but um, because you are a corrections officer and you work for the government, um, there's, a, there's a decent chance, depending on the state you're in, that you're probably, if you continue to refuse it, that you may lose your job. That, that, that in your particular state, there's many states where they're going to force this. They're literally using it to segregate society and push people that think for themselves and make decisions for themselves out of polite society and only the sheep stay in. Uh, that is, and I, don't, I'm, I am not a conspiracy guy. A year and a half ago, I wouldn't have even said that, but I'm watching it happen in real time to my own country. I knew that happened to other countries and in history and other places, but that is where we are because of the moral relativism and people doing anything they can to gain control over people, other people, and tell them what to do. So um, I would say, Chris, it could get very ugly for you, man. I'm just being eyes wide open with you and, and, and blunt with you. And, uh, and I'm challenging people to, to be willing to take that stand. Uh, get, if you have to lose the job, lose the job and start over somewhere. And that's not easy. I know that's easier for me to say. That is incredibly hard for people to actually do. But thousands and thousands of them are doing that right now all over the country. And I, and I am embarrassed for my nation uh, that, that you might have to face that choice. Um, so, you know, I, I certainly uh, hope that doesn't happen to you, Chris, but that could be where you're headed. Charlotte in Texas. Charlotte, how you doing? What's your comment or question today? Hello? Hey, Charlotte, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm sorry I didn't hear you call my name. Um, no problem. All, I wanted to say. First of all, I wanted to say thank you for um, talking about the relationship between uh, freedom and responsibility. Um, so many times I hear things that sound to me like uh, we, we take our freedoms for granted and we consider some things to be rights that in fact are more like privileges. Um, one thing that I had heard, an idea that I had heard that I thought was really good, um, some parents uh, decided that every year on their child's birthday, they would give the child a card, and on one side of the card, it would show the, the privilege that that child would enjoy, a new privilege that that child would enjoy in the coming year, and on the other side, it had a new responsibility that that child would take on in the coming year. And I thought that was a creative way to kind of teach the fact that that those two go together, that we don't get to have all the, the goodies and none of the responsibilities. Wow, that's so good, Charlotte. I love it. I love it. And that, 
you know, we did one of our episodes for Chasing American Legends, a little TV show we did a couple of years ago with our kids traveling to historical sites and telling stories. And one of the places we went was Valley Forge. And, and, and there's a place there called Freedom's Foundation. And they have a monument that has the Bill of Responsibilities on it. So you have the Bill of Rights, of course, and everybody loves to talk about their rights. It's exactly what you're talking about right now, but they don't talk about their responsibilities. And if we teach both, if we say, hey, yeah, you have a freedom of speech, but you have a responsibility not to lie. You have a responsibility to speak truth. You have a responsibility to be respectful, all those things. You have a, absolutely a Second Amendment right to, to keep and bear arms and defend yourself and your family. But you have a responsibility to get training, to actually know how to use that firearm effectively and, and safely. Um, so it's it's I love what you just said. I think that's the big reason we're in the mess we're in is we we love talking about our rights, but we don't accept the responsibility or teach the responsibility that comes with those things. Excellent. Excellent call. Bradley in North Carolina. Bradley, how you doing? Thanks for calling in. Did you say Bradley? I did. Bradley, how you doing, man? Oh, there's a little bit of static there for a second. <clears throat> no problem. Go for it. There was a caller. There was a caller a couple of calls ago talking about what can we do, what can we do, because we sit around asking ourselves what's going to happen rather than asking ourselves what can we make happen. Well, something I caught from the Epic Times did a YouTube video a couple of days ago. Um, right now there's only two counties in Nevada and one in western New York that have declared themselves to be constitutional counties. Yes. And what that means is the only laws that they recognize within those counties are the laws of the Constitution itself and the Bill of Rights. And I want yeah, so to this, think this it is... would be kind of weak. Well, they come out very strong in their position as well. And they literally said any state or federal actions taken within their county will be treated as criminal acts. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a trend across the country right now that that I think is healthy and positive. Uh, it started actually, believe it or not, with the left. They were they were doing these sanctuary cities where they wouldn't deport illegal aliens, and and then uh, the the pro life groups started getting sanctuary counties for life where you would not have abortion in that county. Second Amendment advocates started getting sanctuary counties for the Second Amendment where no. No infringement on the Second Amendment would be enforced by law enforcement in that county. Now it's expanding to essentially all constitutional protections, and states are starting to do the same thing and say, even if the federal government passes some completely unconstitutional law, we will not use any of our resources to enforce that law. It will not happen here. And 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 I'll tell you, you know, Brad, where the where the fight will be and, and, and the real digging hills in is going to be when there's a law that the state says or a county says that will not be enforced here. We're not using our resources to do it. If the feds decide somehow to send in their own people to enforce that federal overreach, uh, how willing will that sheriff be in that county to actually stand guard at the county and, and prevent that from happening? And, and then you're going to have a, a potential standoff. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want that, but I'm telling you that's where that's where it's headed. And, and the Constitution clearly says that, you know, the, the, the laws of, uh, at the federal level are the supreme law of the land if they are constitutional. But they got to be within the constitutional boundaries of what the federal government does. So I think it's absolutely great that counties and, and, and um, states are starting to stand up to the federal government. I think it's vital if you're going to be if you're not going to fall into anarchy, it's vital that when you do that, you're doing it 
within the process as well. In other words, you're filing an appeal, you're working, you're fighting it in court, you're working towards a convention of states where the states can actually pass a constitutional amendment saying the federal government's outside of its bounds. So there is a right way to do it that isn't just state anarchy doing anything and everything that they want. Uh, but I really appreciate you calling. It's a really good topic. I'm almost out of time and I want to close out today because tomorrow's the 20th anniversary. I'm going to see if I can get this in. I'm just going to read you the words of that Daryl Worley song, Have You Forgotten? He said, I hear people saying we don't need this war. Now, remember, this was back literally a year within a year after 9-11. He said, but I say there's some things worth fighting for. What about our freedom and this piece of ground? We didn't get it by uh, get to keep them by backing down. They say we don't realize the mess we're in. But before you start your preaching, let me ask you this, my friend. Have you forgotten how it felt that day to see your homeland under fire and her people blown away. Have you forgotten when those towers fell, we had neighbors still inside? And you remember, and this is not the song, I just want to say, do you remember the men and women that ran into those, those burning towers, ran in and went up those stairs, knowing they probably weren't going to come out, gave their lives to try to save others? And yet he goes on in the song, you say we shouldn't worry about bin Laden. Have you forgotten? They took all the footage off my TV. Boy, that's true, 20 years later. They said, it's too disturbing for you and me. It'll just bring anger. And that's what the experts say. If it was up to me, I'd show it every day. Some say this country is just out looking for a fight. Well, after 9-11, I'd say they're right. Have you forgotten how it felt that day to see your homeland under fire and her people blown away? Have you forgotten when those towers fell? You know, we vowed to get the ones behind bin Laden. Have you forgotten? I've been there with the soldiers who've gone away to war. And you can bet that they remember what they're fighting for. Have you forgotten all the people killed? Yes, some went down like heroes in that Pennsylvania field. Have you forgotten about our Pentagon? All the loved ones that we lost and those left to carry on. Don't you tell me not to worry about bin Laden. Have you forgotten? Well, obviously we did end up getting bin Laden, but friends, we owe a big thank you to our men and women in uniform. And this weekend, would you please tell the ones in your family and at your church that you love them? Go up to them at church and give them a big hug and say thank you. The debacle in Afghanistan has made a lot of our soldiers question, made a lot of our military members question whether or not they wasted that time over there or their buddies died in vain. You let them know they didn't, that they defended our nation and that we love and we appreciate them. That's a sign of a healthy nation when you appreciate those who are willing to sacrifice so much. So make sure you do that this weekend on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and then commit yourself to be a fighter for freedom. Host one of our Constitution classes. Go to PatriotAcademy.com to sign up. You can be part of the solution. God bless you, and thanks for listening today to AFA at the Core. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.